Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Here's a bright idea that maybe is a way around our toxic national political conversation at the moment. I reckon we are so in need of something. Just a couple of days ago, the Fairfax commentator Elizabeth Farrelly wrote this. There is a palpable yearning for an end to the idiotics for someone sane, broad, reasoned, purposeful, decent and wise. In short, a leader with a sense of goodness. I say hear, hear, especially when you also read this from one of the PM's close advisers who once wrote on the business of politics, if you get to senior positions, you have to be able to kill your opponents. It's not pretty, it's not pleasant. High politics demands very low political skills. And I think, really, is that what we want? Is that what we need in national political leadership in all parties? So what's the way around it? It may sound light years away from our current reality, may even sound naive, impractical, but according to my next guest, it comes from the best of all possible sources and it can work. It's turning the other cheek, as Jesus said, as Jesus did. It will require, as you'll also hear in a moment in a follow-up interview, a superhuman, probably supernatural effort. Dr. Justine Toe from the Centre for Public Christianity says turning the other cheek can very often be the only means to break the cycle of enmity between warring parties. Justine, welcome to Open House. Thanks for having me, Lee. Great to see you. Thanks so much for coming in. This idea emerged in your mind with a comment from the writer, the author and feminist Anne Summers. Yeah, so Anne Summers was commenting on the way that um, Julia Gillard gave a terrifying and electrifying speech um, where she was criticising the sexism of um, Tony Abbott. And she was just saying that, you know, um, up until this point, Julia Gillard had been, you know, just taking it all in in her stride over years and years of all these sort of sexist sledging. But then she wrote saying gone is the turn cheek and she was applauding this. She was saying it was a powerful moment. And I have to say there's a part of me that, agrees in a sense, which might be surprising considering what my the rest of my argument is. Yes. So how have you felt as a woman as you've seen this gender war play out over these last few weeks? Yeah, um, I think any woman who's ever had any experience of sexism would have been quietly delighted or some even just, you know, like showing their enthusiasm without having to hide it at all. I found it fantastic. And even though the circumstances surrounding it make it less than triumphant, you might say, um, there, there was a part of me that was like, wow, everyone's wished that had that moment. <laughs> you know? yes. um, probably not everyone wishes that they had a national platform um, to do that. But at the same time, it was a, I have to admit, there was a gleeful moment watching that. But she wasn't turning the other cheek. No, no. I mean, if you, of course, if you look at the other circumstances surrounding this, you know, she's overlooking Peter Slipper's own indiscretions and his own sexist kind of slander of women, you might say. And so when she's kind of slamming um, Abbott, it's, there's also in the background this knowledge that mm, her own government hasn't been exactly this bright, shining light of integrity as well. So it's like it just becomes like slinging mud or flinging mud at each other. You know, it's everyone just winds up completely dirty. And then no one actually can really stand up high and say, I have behaved with the utmost integrity in this moment. So is it possible in that kind of circumstance or in a democratic system where it's adversarial and it's very hard and core, is it possible to turn the other cheek then? You know, this is a really hard question. I would like to say that it is possible, but Mm. 
to be honest, um, the more I learn about, you know, the way that I am as a human and the more that I see other people, it's it's rare. It is incredibly rare, but it is imp- it is precious and very impressive when it happens. Look, I think that politics is a grubby game and it is about compromise and it is show business and kind of, you know, you want to you dress down people so you can, you know, really make your point and all that sort of thing. But I don't know if it's possible. But at the same time, I think the Australian public deserves something better than this. Given that this past week has been much quieter on that front, you know, the two parties know that enough's enough in some yeah. ways and they just need to find out something some way of, of negotiating it so it doesn't become this just back and forth you know i hit you you hit me back and you know. soap opera yeah it really is you know i have no doubt that they've got the message that people aren't too grateful for it no and i think as well because all the media um did point out the various kind of hypocrisies that might have been involved so both sides don't exactly look great no would you understand the skepticism people might feel about turning the other cheek considering where we are in our national political conversation Absolutely. I think, um, I mean, you mentioned before um, one of Gillard's minders making that comment that politics is a is an adversarial game and it's about taking down your opponent. It's like, well, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, oh, that's a really cynical statement and maybe I'm an idealist. I don't know. But I think there is such power and inspiration and might, really, in this idea of turning the other cheek. It is so counterintuitive. Yes. And it makes, on some level, it's crazy. But you know, I mean, Jesus said plenty of crazy things, but, he, <laughs> but if he is who he says he is, then at the same time, we should listen to what he has to say. Absolutely, I think. Yeah. yes. It's probably worth asking, especially in the context of the interview that will follow this in a totally different context from politics, is turning the other cheek appropriate in all circumstances? Let me put it this way. If there is ongoing sort of violence or ongoing abuse of some some nature, I don't really see turning the other cheek as meaning that you should just, you know, suck it up and just put up with all this bad treatment. Absolutely. No. Once unjust situations have been dealt with appropriately, then what happens then? You know, is it possible for everyone to lay down their arms and not to just go and destroy the other party, right? So I think that some measure of justice has to be involved before turning up the cheek. But I will say that it does remain a possibility that you can still turn the other cheek even when something is still going on that is completely wrong. Like, for example, the way that Jesus, you know, he, as you said before, he, he lived this, like, this yes. philosophy of turning the other cheek. If you look at him in his trial, he's just getting dressed down by all these people. It's a kangaroo court, basically. It, it's, an, it's completely unjust and, and all that sort of thing. And he just sits there and he takes it. Like, by no means am I saying that we should just have this sort of same attitude, even though I am kind of saying that. <laughs> but, I mean, he's the son of God. You know, he he's able to do that. I, I Sometimes I feel that, People, well, I don't know if they're able to do it in the same way, to be honest, but I think it is something that we should be challenging ourselves with all the time. There was also the crowd that gathered to stone the woman caught in adultery. Yes, absolutely. And his answer is very confronting there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he says, um, so she's caught in adultery, they all want to stone her, and he says, well, how about this? If anyone is without sin, then you can go first. You can pick up the stone and throw it at her. You know, there's tension in the crowd. It wasn't the expected answer. (laughs) Hardly. And then the crowd just kind of trickles off. When when it comes down to it, none of us is is without anything that makes us this shining paragon of goodness, really. But as I said, it will often require no less than a supernatural effort. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I think that people I've known who've, who've um, had to forgive other people, sometimes they can't do it on their own, but they really have to rely on God's help. And they will absolutely, you know, dead on look at you in the eye and say, I could not have done this without outside help. And I think that's really revealing because um, as is the case with like us as humans, we can't do everything on our own and we need, we do need a helping hand. And sometimes that comes from outside and it gives this crazy advice, um, like turning the other cheek. But we have to accept that even in this world of violence and, um, and enmity, if that outside element tells us turn the other cheek and if, you know, that outside element, I'm talking about God, obviously, um, comes to earth and does that himself, it yeah. does remain a possibility. As regards our national political conversation, I feel bound to point to the media and its role and its never-ending pursuit of the gotcha moment and conflict. So it's not only the politicians, is it? No, I think they've. Um, it's one of those things where the, the rules of the game have changed. You know, the media is so punishing; it's twenty four seven. There's always something going on, and so they, the, the media, are always looking for something, and the politicians are always providing something in response as well. So you know, when Gillard's getting up there and talking about pointing her finger in, in uh, Tony Abbott's face, she knows that this is what's going to electrify the media, yes. and then everyone starts talking about it, and just goes on and on and on and so there's always high conflict we thrive on that but it drains us at the same time as well and it means that well where's the governing of the of the country good question i don't even know good question yeah so it's one thing to explore this fantastic idea and noble idea from the best of all possible sources but does it actually work have you got an instance or an episode a story of where this has actually worked in practice well, on a national level, let's say, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, you know, after apartheid was dismantled in South Africa, I mean, you could imagine this is like prime conditions for this outburst of violence. And there were, you know, atrocities on both sides. You yes. know, you've got the white ruling class and also the black liberationists. Uh, but, you know, the, the, this this commission said, hey, you know, we know that this is a really, this, this could ignite. But what about we, everyone just put down what you've got, let's have a hearing, and we will try and heal by letting truth be spoken, granting amnesty to those who take part, and let's see what what comes of that. You know, there is something really powerful in that because yes. it could have gone the absolute opposite way. For us who are so removed from it, both in distance and in time, this is kind of the mid-90s, the State Department in the United States was forecasting one million dead wow. if it had gone the other way. Mm. So it was no mean feat yeah. to turn the other cheek. I mean, that's, that's like a example that's far removed from our lives. But, you know, in terms of something that's more down-to-earth and personal, I did come across the story of... Uh, Ray Carruth. He's an NFL player and he's currently in prison because he was um, jailed for conspiring to murder his his pregnant girlfriend, right? So he hires these hoodlums and these other guys drive up beside her, empty their bullets into her car and he sp- and then Ray speeds off, right? And so this woman, she died and she uh, her, her son was delivered but had suffered complications because he was deprived of oxygen for, you know, an hour or so. And so he's 12 years old now and he's been raised by his grandmother, whose name is Sandra Adams. You know, she's had 12 years where she's lived with the constant legal battles because Ray actually wanted custody of his son, would you believe, um, after all that's happened. So for 12 years, she's had to endure these legal battles. But not, not only that, of course, but having lost a daughter and um and she's brought up her daughter's son so her grandson and every day is you know dealing with his developmental um difficulties and you know and you know what she she's actually not poisoned her grandson chancellor throughout all this time you know even if you just would have to very calmly explain to chancellor what happened to his mother 
oh, your dad did this. You could imagine it's very easy to just, even when you say it plainly, it's horrible, basically. But she has really taken a lot of steps not to to poison this son against his father. You know, it's it's quite compelling when she talks about, when the words are quoted back in the courtroom, she says, you know what, as a Christian, and because I'm doing this out of God's obedience, I'm actually forgiving Ray Carruth. And that's quite powerful because, again, it shows this idea that she's not on this journey alone. She's got God with her. Um, and it's possibly by his grace and his mercy that she's able to to actually muster up the the will able to to forgive this guy for taking away her daughter and also for shaping his son's life by leaving him with these um, disorders. I mean, and I and I would encourage people to go out and and Google this story. It's incredible, and you know, I I, I cannot say with confidence that I would be like this woman. She's incredible, really. But you look at that and you're like, wow, if, if that woman could do that, then maybe I could forgive. And then, you know, how much more than if when we look at the example of Jesus, you know, he was put to death by his enemies and he never rose up against them as well. So turning the other cheek is incredibly difficult and it requires superhuman strength. But how wonderful that people will not keep on getting back at each other and then continuing that cycle of violence, but actually working to stop it and to say, no, peace is going to win. Love is going to win. Break the cycle. Justin Toe, thank you so much indeed for coming in. On thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.